So I wanted to have dessert. And now I just realized you can't have dessert every time or you're going to gain too much weight. So like now I'm over that. Yeah, but but at first there seems to be a little bit of a motivation to try to benefit yourself. And I think that's natural. But at some point you you realize that there's more to life than just benefiting yourself. Yeah. Or I hope you realize this. And really my focus turned into how do I make a massive contribution into into my family. You are listening to You Are a Lawyer. I'm Kyla Denagno, a 2015 law school graduate. This episode is brought to you by me. <laughs> Seriously, I'm selling merchandise at shopyouarelawyer.com. That's where you can find water bottles, long and short sleeve t-shirts, and everything you need to support the You Are a Lawyer podcast. So support your favorite lawyer's favorite podcaster and visit shopyouarelawyer.com to grab some merchandise. Welcome to the You Are a Lawyer podcast. Thank you for having me. Glad yeah. I'm here. <laughs> so we were just chatting quickly about how you're in Atlanta, Georgia now. That's right. But you're Puerto Rican. You were born in Puerto Rico. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wasn't born in Puerto Rico, so that's okay. a funny story. I was actually uh, born in Gary, Indiana, uh, of all places. Yeah. So my uh, my parents moved to Gary, uh, well, they moved to Lake Station, Indiana, right outside of Chicago, right before I was born. And uh, then I was born, I had a couple of other siblings who were born in, uh, in, in the Chicago land area. And then we moved back to Puerto Rico and I stayed in Puerto Rico um, for a large part of, of my childhood until I was 13 when I permanently moved back to uh, Georgia. Okay, so yeah. I know Gary, Indiana, cause that's where Michael Jackson is from. Yes, yes. yes. And then I'm in Ohio now and that's my hometown. So Ohio, okay. Indiana, you know. Okay, so yeah. very cool. Um, well, that was fun and unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So, Louis, I'm so excited to talk to you because you have a ton of accolades. You've been on 40 under 40 list, you know, super lawyers, all this stuff. But what made you decide to become a lawyer? What was that one thing that was like, oh, I could do this? Uh, well, I don't know if I ever thought I could do this because uh, when I was growing up, my, my dad used to say I was going to be a comedian or I was going to be a lawyer. And uh, so a part of me is kind of like I'm a comedian lawyer. Uh, so now I just uh, th I'm known around the office as the person who is constantly telling jokes. The office is one of my favorite shows. So uh, what really made me go into into law school is uh, I was coming out of undergrad. I had an accounting degree at the time, also a philosophy degree. I didn't believe I could do it. And that's the thing that I tell some of the young people that work with me is, is that sometimes you need someone to believe in you. And I didn't believe I could do this. But there was this one judge. And I remember going to business law class in my undergrad as a as a, a business major. And I made a joke because I was a comedian, the class clown my whole life, including college. And uh, he, you, you wanted to stand up and say uh, three things about you. And I said, you know, I told my name. I said that uh, I'm looking forward to being a lawyer and I like long walks on the beach. Everybody laughed. And um, and after class, he called me up. He said, Mr. Scott, can I speak to you? I was like, oh, no, he didn't like the joke um, or whatever. And he said, do you really want to be a lawyer? I said, I'd love to. I said, I don't think I, I, I don't think I can read like that much. I don't think I can become a lawyer. He says, you can become a lawyer. He's like, why don't you do an internship with me over the summer? It was uh -huh. the first time I'd ever met him. And that internship completely changed my life. And that was the thing that said, I want to be a lawyer. I thought I wanted to be a criminal lawyer. Uh -huh. and, um, and I went to go work for a criminal lawyer for a short period of time. And when I saw how much money he was making, I was like, wait a second. I don't know if I want to be a lawyer. I think I want to be a business owner, a law firm owner. And so that's kind of what transitioned me into becoming a law firm owner. So that that's the, the, the short story of how I got it into law. Yeah. I mean, that's a really compelling story, though. Did 
the person ever tell you, like, it was your um, charisma that made me want to work with you or it was your sincerity or what? I don't think I don't I don't think I ever asked him. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I probably can't ask him because we struck a friendship and to, to this day. So that happened back in 2001. And to this day, we've stayed in touch. So me and the, the judge have become good friends. So it, it, we went from professor to to, you know, to uh, a student to then becoming he was my mentor. And now I feel like we're friends. Uh, so it's been a really beautiful, you know, 20, 22 years getting to know him. That's awesome. Yeah, if you remember, you should ask him. Yeah. <laughs> like, what did you see in me? Because that, that's really cool. Um, <laughs> so you are a managing partner, as you know, I mean, of course, you're licensed there in Georgia as well. But what does a managing partner do in a law firm? Yeah, so it, it, it depends on the size of your firm. When I first became the managing partner of this firm, uh, it was primarily overseeing the lawyers and overseeing operations. And that has morphed. Our firm has almost 200 employees at the, right now. We have 30 lawyers who work for us. So my position is much more an overseer, a strategist, helping the firm develop its strategy for the future and helping the firm uh, maintain the vision that's uh, being really delivered and communicated by the CEO of the business, which is my, my business partner um, and the CEO uh, of, of Bader Scott Injury Lawyers. So I am supposed to deliver the message and make sure it translates down the organization. And so that's my role today. So I oversee uh, our director of people, I oversee operations, I oversee our finance and marketing, but I oversee it in much more of a strategic capacity than I do a day-to-day hands-on capacity. Yeah, so I'm nodding my head because I was in operations before at a law firm. I love operations. I never knew what it was. In fact, my title was enforcement coordinator. Okay. But what I was doing was writing job descriptions, hiring, creating training processes for training. Interesting, yeah. It was operations. Um, so I, I love that. So I think it's really interesting that you're in a strategic position. Is this something that you, did you know you ever wanted this role or has it grown with you and now you really appreciate it? I think that, you know, I had a mentor in my early 20s about 15 years ago, and he used to always say leaders are readers. And I, I knew from the very beginning I wanted to be a leader. That was something that was really important to me. And in the law firm context, one of the best ways to become the leader, you know, quote unquote, the leader is to become the managing partner. At least that's what I thought. You know, now that that I run uh, a relatively large corporation and we have other types of leaders, we have, I think, about 30 of our employees are non-legal staff leadership. Uh, I see that there's a lot of opportunity in a growing organization. But at the time, that's all I that's all I knew. And so because I spent so much time reading and developing myself, I knew that I wanted to go into, into the managing partner role. But something happened probably about 10 years ago, and that I, was, I started realizing I was really good at grouping people together and getting them to do what I needed them to do. And that is, that is a skill set that I think is very hard to teach. And I had it. I, it was a, I, was, I was the kind of person that could get two or three people together and get them to complete a project without a lot of fighting. And I realized that that ability to help people implement or get them to implement was uh, uniquely powerful. And so I started like really leaning into that. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to ask, are you a middle child? Have you, did you grow up compromising or what? <laughs> I am a middle child. Yeah. Okay. And then are you a parent as well? I am a parent. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So even though I'm asking this, right, there's tons of people who are parents and middle children who aren't good at kind of reading people and figuring out how they work. 
Right. Where do you think you got that from? Or have you always been like observant or are you just really good at kind of reading skills and talents of people? It's really hard because I think that uh, being a middle child absolutely played a part in that. I, I, you know, absolutely did. And I don't know how much influence that had, but I, I find myself to be very aware of my surroundings. I'm the type of person that if I'm talking to someone and I see someone is going to get too close, I go, hey, be careful if somebody's walking behind you. Like I'm always observing my surroundings, always observing um, what what people are doing and, and how people are reacting. And I've always said that I pay a much higher level of attention to the room. I can read the room. I know when someone wants to get out of a conversation. Some people you tell them, you know, how many times you have to tell them, hey, uh, this has been good talking to you. Let, let me run to the restroom. And then they, they go on to the next thing. You know, it's like, how many times do I have to try to segue out of this thing before you realize yeah. I'm trying to get out of the conversation? But I think it, I think it came from being a middle child. Um, but probably some of it I was born with as well. Yeah, I'm sure it I'm sure it is a lot of it that you were born with. So, OK, mm -hmm. I just thought that would be fun to ask. Um, so you did mention briefly that you had an accounting degree. You also studied some philosophy. Yep. Do you think that's what initially planted the seed of wanting to be a business owner, even more than, you know, wanting to be a lawyer? I grew up in a, in a relatively poor family, so I, I didn't have a lot of money coming from Puerto Rico. Uh, we weren't I would say we weren't middle class until I was probably in high school, I believe my dad started making more money and then he made more the most money after I left. And so a, a large motivation of me going into business was that I, I wanted to rewrite the legacy of my family. Like it was so important. I even feel this tremendous burden for my family to be taken care of today. Like I want to be the one that if I have a niece or nephew that has a fundraiser, I'm putting the most money down so that they win. If, uh, if I have a family member that has a need, you know, I want to be able to supply that need, pay for a ticket, pay for, you know, a payment, you, you know. Um, and so I, I had this incredible burden to bear the responsibility of my family. And the only way I knew to do that was to become uh, rich. And so I was like, how am I going to become rich? Well, originally, I thought coming from Puerto Rico, I played baseball. I was going to go into the pros, but I kept getting injured. So that was kind of foreclosed. And so then my, my second, uh, you know, plan B became becoming a business owner and trying to grow an organization as big as I could. Sorry, I told you I'm here in Ohio. My heat keeps coming on. So that's why I keep <laughs> muting myself so you can't hear it. Um, gotcha. but, but yeah, so I really think it's cool that you said you wanted to earn as much money as possible to take care of your family. And I say that because I just realized that people can take care of others with money. I always thought people trying to get rich and it was just a selfish thing. And I know that yeah. seems silly, but yeah. I just read a book called We Should All Be Millionaires. And she's mm. like, if for no other reason, become a millionaire so you can help people more. Yes. Right. Everybody's like, no, I donate my time. Well, you donate your time because you don't have the hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, why don't you donate your time and give the money? Right. So I think, you know, you said it, but like, that's a really important and salient point, because when you do grow up and you don't have a lot of stuff at first, it's like, oh, let me get this big job so that I can just not be what I know. And yes. then it's like, no, but now you can actually start to help more people. So I um, agree with that. I mean, it, the thing is that when I when I first started making money, I did want things for myself. Like you want to take care of yourself. Like I remember for a long time, every time I went to go out to eat, I got dessert because I never I was never used to getting dessert. So I wanted to have dessert. And now I just realized you can't have dessert every time or you're going to gain too much weight. So like now I'm over that. Yeah, but 
But at first, there seems to be a little bit of a motivation to try to benefit yourself. And I think that's natural. But at some point, you you realize that there's more to life than just benefiting yourself. Yeah. Or I hope you realize this. And really, my focus turned into how do I make a massive contribution into into my family? Yeah, so you heard it here first. The name of your autobiography, There's More to Life Than Dessert. Yes. <laughs> I should good. like that. I should write, I no, should write that good. down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I'm gonna write that down. That's a really good point because you actually own an eight-figure law firm. Bader yes. Scott is eight figures, so that is multi-millions. Yes. What? I, like I'm blown away. Let me just read the question because I'm like standing here. <laughs> um, how does having an eight mil or an eight-figure law firm make you a better lawyer? Is it just simply having more resources or more time? to give back more or you can actually pay your staff better? I think it's a little bit of everything. You know, we try to pay on the top end of the market for all of the positions. And one of the things that we found, especially when you're almost a 200 employees, you become a very coveted law firm in, the, in, in your environment. And so everybody recruits from our firm. So it's very common that smaller law firms will try to poach people from our firm and they end up having to pay a premium because we are already paying people at the top of the market. But it creates a, a very unique dynamic where everybody is being offered more money somewhere else because we're here. They're one of 200 there. They're going to be one of 10 and they're going to be the big dog because they came to work here. I always said we wanted to become the Chick-fil-A of law firms, you know, the, the, the Disney world of law firms. If you've ever uh, met an employee who worked at Chick-fil-A or Disney, they're immediately like, oh, instant credibility. They're going to mm -hmm. be kind, generally helpful, happy, whatever, like you, whatever assumption you make about people who work there. Uh, that's that's kind of the assumption that, that we wanted people to make about our, our firm. And so it does help with in, in employee pay. It all help, it helps with benefits. Like we do five weeks of PTO. And so being able to provide five weeks of PTO, uh, not counting uh, a holiday pay, we have, I think, 12 holiday pay. So if you work for us, you get 37 days off a year, not counting weekends. Like that's pretty massive. Um, you know, health insurance benefits. One of our health insurance uh, plans uh, cost the employee uh, $40 a month. So like, that's not bad to have full full coverage health insurance. Uh, we pay uh, 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 disability insurance. We pay short-term disability, pay long-term disability, 12 weeks of, of maternity leave. Like there's all these things you can do because you have a bigger law firm. So we can pay people better. We have more impact in the community. I think our nonprofit raised about $300,000 uh, last year. So there's an impact that we can create in the community. Um, we can we can invest into cases that need to be invested in. We can hire the best lawyers because we can afford to pay them. So there's a huge benefit to having a more successful firm, and that is that you can uh, get the best in and you can provide the best to the client. Yeah, and I think that's a really good perspective because you get to be competitive. You get to be that big dog because you are able to pay so much. Um, and how do you feel about like, being the firm that other people want to poach from, like, is that a compliment to you that you're like, yeah, we have all the best people here? Or how do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I think it's a compliment. I think it's a compliment that we have great people. There's a there's a firm that I know of um, off the top of my head that has probably seven or eight of our former employees. I think it's a compliment. It's great. I mean, you know, the fact that they that every employee they hire from our firm, they retain there. That's great. That means we had good people. And one of the things that I always say, I don't have a fantasy that people are going to stay with us forever. What I do want is when people leave here, they leave here for a better opportunity. And if that opportunity is going to pay them better, it's going to provide better for their family, I cheer them on. I applaud them. We support them and we leave them. We, we end the relationship on good terms. And I think that that's great. 
Uh, but I also want to create an environment where it's hard for them to leave. And so we try to create what's called a boomerang environment where they leave and they, they if, if they don't like the place, they come back here where we didn't burn a bridge, where they say that was a good place. Bader Scott was a great place to work. I want to come back there. And we've had that happen probably over a dozen times. We've had employees leave and come back and it's been a beautiful thing. And so that to me is really important. Yeah, I love that boomerang effect. That's pretty cool. So even if they leave just to test things out and just see. They mm -hmm. end up coming back because they appreciate everything at Bader Scott. So absolutely, and we've had people. One of one of our best employees um, is actually my right hand. Uh, it used to work here, left for four months, realized it wasn't the right place, came back, and we welcomed her with open arms. She's been here two years since that happened. So yeah, I think that's really cool, and it shows it. It says a lot about your firm that you're mm -hmm. even willing to take people back. It's not like oh no, you left. That's good luck. <laughs> Right? Oh no, we don't. We don't. We don't hold a grudge. We, if you yeah. leave and you leave on good terms, uh, we're we're always uh, uh, open to uh, bringing people back. Okay, so that's a good segue into the tagline of Bader Scott Law Firm, which mm -hmm. is standing by our work, standing by each other. Is yes. that a principle that you use in your regular life as well? Um, we preach excellence, and the thing is that if you're excellent, you're going to produce a product that is superior to people you're in competition with. And so one of our key goals for this year is actually to, to create an environment of excellence throughout the entire organization, not just through legal work, but also in everything that we do, whether you're the reception or the janitor or the cleaning team or facilities, whatever you do, be excellent in that. And as long as you're excellent, uh, you're, going to, you're going to excel here in the firm. And so that's something that we ask people to live by professionally, but we also want to want to portray in our personal lives. So I try to live an excellent life. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect. It doesn't mean that I'm excellent in everything, but the whole of who I am in my existence is excellent. At least I try to, to be that way. Yeah. So I think it makes sense that you have the successful firm. You have people that always want to come back if they do leave and you don't have hold grudges because you're trying to live in an excellent way. Right. And I think that it's like um, like a chicken or egg thing, right? I'm living excellently, so I'm um, wanting my staff to do that too. And if you leave for more excellence to come back, right? Like it's it's like a self fulfilling type of prophecy. Absolutely. If you if you are excellent and you uh, teach your team to be excellent, their excellence will will in inspire you to continue to be excellent, and then you'll inspire them to be excellent. And it, and it, and it is a, a, a continuous flow. But that that's that circle of life is in everything. If you also do things without excellence, your team will not do things uh, with excellence. And, and I've always said that your team is a reflection of the leadership. And so if the leadership fails, your team will fail. If the, if the leadership succeeds, your team will succeed. So uh, when we look at the organization, we always ask, what are we doing wrong as leaders that is causing this uh, behavior to happen? If there's toxicity and drama and backbiting and gossip and all that stuff, there's something happening at the leadership level that is allowing that to happen that is causing that to happen and we as leaders need to come together and figure out how to how to not allow that to happen in the organization yeah that's a really good point so lewis i just have one last question here for you okay. which is yeah. do you have any advice for new lawyers five years practicing or less or law students about what they can do with their law degrees uh for me it's uh living your passion don't do what people think you should do Find out what you're the most passionate about and lean into that. And whatever type of law that is, it doesn't matter what type of law you do, you can become extremely successful. And if you want to be an entrepreneurial lawyer, be sure you reach out to people who have been there, done that. Make sure you educate yourself on not just the law, 
but on the business of law. And if you do that, you'll have an amazing career. Absolutely. We're not guaranteeing that you'll have an eight-figure law firm. <laughs> but <laughs> if you're working in excellence, you know, the sky's the limit. Who knows what you'll do? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lewis. Bye. Thank you for having me. See ya. Thank you for listening to You Are a Lawyer. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating, tell a friend about this podcast, and subscribe to the show so that you never miss a new episode. New episodes are released every other Thursday. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Bye.